All right. Well, welcome, Lighthouse. It is good to have you with us one more time. Um, you know, uh, Pat, I'm sitting here with Patrick Hawks. How are you, Patrick Hawks? Doing pretty well. In your Trinity Christian High School polo, ready to coach some cross county. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How's the team? Not too bad. It's it's a lot of fun. It keeps getting bigger. That's the funny thing is it's grown steadily over the last couple of weeks. We're up to 12 runners now. Right on. Uh, what a neat ministry that you just get to like talk about discipleship. Just be with kids, encourage them, and cross-country there is suffering in cross country. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Is. Like you really have to keep kids not just motivated, but encouraged. Yep. Yep. No. And, and the last couple of days were some tougher ones. We went up to uh, Veterans Memorial Park on Monday. Oh, you. And uh, you know that big flight of stairs yeah. on one of the trails up there? Oh, yeah. We ran up that more oh, than a gosh. few times. Um, and I, I did it with them. And. My legs still hurt a bit. That's funny and because I saw you after that and I said, how you doing? And you said, sore. That was yesterday. That was oh, yesterday. That was, that and was that yesterday. was after okay. we did, uh, we, we basically, we ran to Lover's Point and back, which okay. is a little yep. under three miles. Yep. But every, so we jog for a minute, 45 mm -hmm. seconds, and then they have to sprint for 15 seconds mm -hmm. and then they come back, regroup. And so we did that all the way there and back. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I was sore from. That would be hard for me on a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> I could do it, but I wouldn't like it. Yeah, so you are not only their encourager, you're also the source of their suffering. Their source of their torment, yes. Yeah. It's uh it's a mixed bag. <laughs> it is. It is. Well, that's awesome. Um and uh and the season's going pretty good. Yeah, we've had two races so far. Only one one of them was a relay, so it was slightly di mm -hmm. different and mm -hmm. odd. I've never seen a cross country relay before, but it was mm -hmm. a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, but this one, uh, then we had one last week that was a large invitational standard three mile course. Um, and that kind of gave them a look into what they're looking at the rest of the season. We mm -hmm. have our first league meet tomorrow mm. in Gilroy. Mm. So hopefully it's not too hot, <laughs> man. I miss it. I, I, uh, you know, our oldest was a cross country mm -hmm. runner and I was not a runner nobody has ever mistaken me for a runner. And so uh, it wasn't anything we knew about at all, but like really good folks involved mm -hmm. with cross country, like just tend to be good. The other parents were always cool mm -hmm. and whatever from every school and everybody kind of encouraging every kid. Yeah. Like there's no booing. Yeah. <laughs> it, exactly. it really is like, all right, Stevenson, keep going kid. You know, like yep. it's, it's all that. And, uh, and then at Toro, that's such a great course to like run up the hill and watch them run across and then yeah. run back, run over there and it's watch a good them. spectator course. Yeah, yeah, it is. There's some of those courses, Garland, which I Ooh. think is a fun course to run. When I was a youth pastor and I had kids run at Garland, it was like, bye. Yeah. <laughs> and then 20 minutes later, they hey, show back up. There they are. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it was, it was hard to watch, but Toro is a good course. Um, Right on. Something else that you're involved with that I wanted to highlight here is that we're going to have a Christmas choirs. Yes. Tell us are. about that. So we're going to have a women's choir, a men's choir, and a combined men's and women's choir. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we're going to have a different song for each choir. Um, and um, we're just looking to just celebrate advent with something a little special this year that'll that will be, be special yeah that'll be, that'll be a lot of fun to have performance choir we have a wonderful like worship choir every mm -hmm. sunday that leads us in the hymns um but to have that kind of yeah special christmas performance will be 
be really special. It's always yeah. a weird mix on Sunday mornings. I, you love highlighting talent and the gifts that people have, but you want it to be corporate as much as possible. People yeah. participating in worship and and so we we do that you know ninety nine percent of the time. But it's nice on on Christmas to have because uh, we have some we have some some songbirds around here that we do. Yeah, and so. Whether or not you're in a worship team, you can still be in the choir. Yeah. And whether or not you're in the normal, like the the usual Sunday morning worship choir, you can still come. Doesn't matter. Yep. Yep. Practices potentially Sundays after church, bring a sack lunch. Yeah. See if that's, that's, the, first that's the first plan. See if that works. If every if there's a mighty uprising <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in rebellion, then we'll do it some other time. But yep. um, that's exciting. I hope, I hope people, and I love that it's not a lifetime commitment too. It's like, Oh, no. I'd love to be in the Christmas choir. Yeah. It's a one-time thing. You can jump up, sing a little bit, maybe enjoy six the rehearsals, something like that. Something like that. Five or six would be good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so and then, you know, jump up, sing the song, enjoy being a part of it. And yeah. it's, it is really a really cool way to to worship yep. is to be a part of a choir. It's yep. I wish we were better at highlighting the arts in general. Mm. That takes a lot of leadership that we just, you know, don't have a lot of staff yeah. around, around here. And it takes like a champion to go, yeah, I'll be the art person or mm -hmm. the because I certainly we don't want me leading any kind of art ministry unless it's art <laughs> appreciation. I love art, but you don't want me making any of it. Um and so, yeah, anytime you have a chance to go, man, God should be studied mm. and theology is super important. You, there's no, no second option for good doctrine, but also God should be like celebrated yeah. and emotionally praised. We, we not only submit to God and love God with our, our minds and have become convinced, but also we're affectionate towards him and mm -hmm. we want to, we want to lift up praise and use our artistic gift. So thanks for heading that up. Appreciate yeah. it. I'm My looking pleasure. forward to that. And if you would like to do that, call this uh, dude sitting across from me. And your email address is? Um, Patrick at lighthousebaptist.net. Mm. Rolls nice right simple. off the tongue. Yeah. Yep. Patrick at lighthousebaptist.net. Great. Well, speaking of people that I dig, uh, the podcast today is Carol Hayes. Yep. And I just can't believe the the caliber of people we have around here. I feel like we're saying this every week, but it's like, yeah. oh my gosh, what an impressive woman! And um, you know, my the way I met Carol was through her boys. Mm -hmm. um, coached one of them, taught one of them over at Trinity, and yep. love both of them, and still do. Like, got a text from from her son Zach this morning saying, Hey, pray for me. I'm going to lead a Bible study out here at school. And I was nice. like, great, that is nice. awesome. <laughs> so Zach, if you're listening, take those folders from class a few years ago. <laughs> and hopefully that'll be helpful. That's my dream is that somebody would say, Hey, I use that folder that you made me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <that's right. laughs> so GCU, I hope you enjoy the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the message from Habakkuk from Zach Hayes. Um, but Carol, you know, raised a couple of wonderful mm -hmm. sons and, um, the things that I didn't know about her until this conversation was just how deep her family rolls in the area. Yeah. Like she lives not only on the property that she has always lived on, but that many just, did she say her boys are generation eight? 
Something like that. You have so to listen was, to the podcast to fact check us. But, <laughs> but yeah, like they, they've been on that property a long time and a, yeah. and a sense of this is our land and mm-hmm. we love this land and we care for this land. And that's really, that's really impressive. She is, um, Carol's our right now. She's the, the head of the finance team around here, mm-hmm. huge business skills and all of mm-hmm. that. And, and obviously a heart for the Lord. I loved her, her very articulate description of how she came to Christ, that she met this girl at college yeah. who was just her friend, yeah. no hard sell, just loving on her and being her friend. You just imagine there were a lot of just like laughter and tears and just going through, you know, mad yeah. professors. And yeah. Whatever. Just hanging just, out. Yeah. Just going through life. Like, man, that homework was hard or yeah, like, that was a really entertaining time or something, you know, just for hanging sure. out for sure. And, like, um, so, and so she tells that story beautifully and, and just the, the story of the history of the area that, that she has the opportunity to tell us is really great. So I hope you guys all enjoy it. We do it. We're ready to go. Yep. All right, guys. Enjoy Carol Hayes. Carol, thanks for coming in and we'll see you guys this weekend at church. Bring a friend. We're going to be talking about a very weird passage from, <laughs> uh, from the book of first Samuel, um, where the people of God do not lose a war. They lose two in a row and mm. <laughs> two battles in a row. It's a hard one. Um, and so, uh, you know, read up, read first Samuel four and come ready to ready to go. Uh, love you lighthouse. We'll see you soon. Uh, Hey Patrick. Yep. Roll the music. We'll do. So, Carol, we're here today uh, with our good friend, Barry White. Have you <laughs> Say Hello. something to the microphone, Barry. Hello. <laughs> Pat, Pat is uh, overcoming some laryngitis and is in that It's excellent... time to record an album. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is the best low voice comes when it's like day three of a camp. And yeah. there's been like smoke and stuff like yeah. that. Then I can hit the really low notes. Yeah. Right now I just feel like my range has been compressed. Yeah. And so I can't go as low as usual, but the average is low. When I was trying to be a rock star, I did always think a little bit sick was when I sounded best. You know, yeah. like, because my voice, you're never going for like pure. No, that's not <laughs> what I'm at. Rasp. That's right. Yeah. yeah. A little. Was Dylan ever on pitch? Who knows? But it was great. <laughs> All right, Carol, so what's going on? How you doing? I am doing well. Are you doing well? I am. Good. And so we want to hear your story and as much of you, your story as um, you want to tell us. And I was trying to think, um, I don't know if we've had anybody else in the podcast that this applies to, but do you still live on the property like where you came home from the hospital? I like, do. Like you have been on that land. That is your land. That hmm. is, there should be a song. The, you this could write, land is your land. Yeah. But <laughs> maybe, yeah. It's about the Barker. The Barker family and my dad's family came on a wagon train in the 1800s. No. And my kids are eighth generation. Eighth generation on that land. On that land or in that Corral de Terra area. Wow. Right. So do you, are there pictures of late 1800s or 
early... probably yeah <laughs> not, not, the, that, not that anybody would know who the people are but not like in your house you say this is great grandpappy o'reilly or anything like no that. it's one of those weird dysfunctional families like my dad was one of eight kids in the depression so they were split up okay so your dad that that was true of your dad Right. One of eight. So the oldest boy and girl went to live with the aunt and uncle who owned the ranch. That's where the ranch comes in. And a couple we never met. One was shipped off to Sweden that we kind of connected with later. Another one was adopted and four others kind of raised by a single mom off and on on the ranch. So Hmm. just kind of scrapping, getting through. Oh, yeah. So your dad wasn't born on the ranch. He was born on the ranch. He was. But he was raised by his aunt. Who was also on the ranch. And his mom with the younger siblings kind of stayed in a shack at the beginning of the ranch. So there huh. was a kind of have and have not. You even know. on even of the family. Right. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's a very American story. That's one yeah. of the things we've kind of noticed is hearing all these stories. It's like, wow, this is like a history book yeah. come to life. So where's do you know where the family comes from before you ended up? Like, where was the wagon train? From Texas. From Texas. And to... we have, my dad had the original at one point. I have a copy of the um, Daily Diary they wrote, which is really cool. I'll have to show you. But there's, you know, there's Indians, there's kids dying, there's snake huh. bites, you know, and it's all huh. written in that old English. The yeah. thou arts and the... My dearest so-and-so. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> Tis been a fortnight since last we met. Exactly. So I have the handwritten you know, copy of it, and it's, wow. it's really neat to see how many years it took to... I just don't know if, like, Tiffany and I, like, texting, like, memes back and forth or gifts back and forth <laughs> is going to be the same kind of quality history for my <laughs> big grandkids. <laughs> yeah, so when people look at our tree, it's a little yeah. fractured and it's, you know, it's kind of all over the place because there's a lot of uh, connection up in the Kashawa area oh, really? and with the Esalen Indians, so we're part Esalen huh. and the Mission Indians and back to that time of, you know, so Unipro Sarah and that, like all of Oh yeah, we're part of the Mission Indian group that was uh-huh. <laughs> so um That's yeah. a complicated history. It's very complicated and people go, Yeah, all we know is yeah, we've been here a long time. A long time. Not too many people can say that. Do you and you enjoy that? Like is that a It's a neat heritage. Yeah. And now as I'm older, now you wish you knew more. Okay. Mm. Just because... Where would you go for more information? You know, actually, my cousins in Sweden know the most of all of us. Uh, I think because they were very... They wanted to know. so They they felt more disconnected. Right. So they wanted to find out, you know, they've Mm. got the history traced back. Mm. You you know, generations. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Do you know if... So are these all Barkers? Which is your your maiden name? That's my maiden name. That's my dad's side. Um, And Nason... So you hear a lot of the Nason family up in Kashawa. Okay. And then, um, was yeah. it the Barkers who came from Texas? Yes. Were they ranchers in Texas? You know, I don't know. I guess I should. I mean, read that's that. a lot. Of, I mean, yeah, I don't know, but you know, the ranching was big here on mm-hmm. the Central Coast, and mm-hmm. I remember my dad saying when he was a boy, <laughs> that sounds so long ago, but where they would drive, they. The people in Kashawa would raise pigs and they would 
drive them on horseback to market from Kashawa over the back way through like the Corral de Terra side. Okay. On horseback to market either in Salinas or Monterey. Wow. Mm. And if you, you know, that sounds like a long way, but if you saw our ranch and where that's located, that's not As the that, crow flies, it's not that It's not far. that, and that's where they would go, obviously, is by the crow flies. But uh, yeah. yeah, I remember him talking about that as a kid, that that's how they would get the animals. I think some of those pigs are still causing problems. I think... <laughs> right? I'm serious. <laughs> well, like, they all got loose and... Well, we like, have the I, wild pigs. <laughs> that, well, that's what I'm saying. I think those started as not wild pigs, right? They're, I don't think there's native... I'm probably somebody will... Somebody please email yes. Patrick and tell him uh, the whole thing. Tell him the story <laughs> um, of the pigs. Yeah, but I... Like, I... I had a friend named Corey who was the head greenskeeper at um, the preserve. Yeah. And they like were hunting this pig for a month because it was tearing up the greens and just causing all kinds of trouble. And that was part of the thing was that, yeah, these are actually an invasive species. They and are. They got yeah. loose somewhere a hundred years ago and now they're just yeah. causing all kinds of trouble in Carl Valley. <laughs> so were you guys pig farmers back then and then somehow it changed to no beef at and some i point. don't know if that was just the the, the folks in the you know carmel valley cashawa side you know there okay. was always cattle too so we raised cattle but mm. that's probably how they made their living their their spare dollars is to raise pigs and take them that is a cool like subculture in our area too that i have just very little knowledge about cashawa well, no, I mean, Kishawa, I've been to Kishawa more than most, probably. My, you know, my, my dear friend Orville is right? a pastor out there and, and, uh, he, you know, the, that church is on a neat little piece of land and, yep. and, you know, been out walking around Princess Camp and, and Jan Jansen, Jensen Park and, and a couple of, uh, Christmas Eves we had out there. We had oh, like, Christmas Eve services and walked around and all that. But, uh, and Kashao is beautiful. Right. I mean, it's just, that's a gorgeous piece of the world. I'll tell you, this is, <laughs> see, I told you this is a meandering podcast. <laughs> you know, the thing that I love about Kashawa, but also is the most like disconcerting thing is the peacocks. Mm. There are peacocks yeah. all over the place and they're beautiful, but a peacock screaming sounds like a little girl. Right. It's a terrible sound. <laughs> You're like, oh my gosh, like somebody help that child and do it immediately. Uh, so I guess, no, no peacocks on the bark? Uh, right? No, we had one go through and he kind of hung out for a year or so and then he must have went home. Back to Kishawa. Back to Kishawa or there's wherever. more tarantulas to eat. Do you, do you have tarantulas out there? We do. Yeah. We have about everything. About everything. Yeah. <laughs> so is the name of the ranch the Barker Ranch? That's what we would call it, yeah. Okay. Barker Family Ranch. So there's mm. my sister and her family and my twin brothers and mm -hmm. my family. So all four sets of families live on the ranch still, and mm -hmm. the other generations are growing. There's my nephew, and now he's got two little boys, so. And he's on the ranch? He's on the ranch, too. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then my two kids, so. That is that is a neat. Yeah. Uh, heritage is a great word yeah. for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't make your money living on the ranch, but in uh -huh. order to keep the ranch in the family, you know, uh -huh. we all work offside the ranch. Is that just because the. Yeah. You can't make enough money to support one family, let alone four. Oh, I see. Right. So. Uh huh. We all... But you still, it is still a working cattle ranch. Mm -hmm. Yep. How many. We only have, you know, probably 40 cows right now. Just. 
we haven't kept it up when my parents passed away. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of money, and you got to have a plan of what you're going to do. And well, for taking care of forty cows is no joke. I mean, that's... No, you know, this time of year, you're hauling water and feeding them. And how much of your time is spent as a rancher? Well, like there's working cows and probably my my brother-in-law and sister do the bulk of it, just because they're okay. more apt to. To haul in the water and fixing okay. things, but yeah. I mean, every day there's something. Do you feel like, like I feel like the new heaven and the new earth? Like we're gonna get to heaven and all be farmers and ranchers. You know, what I mean, there's something about like <laughs> yeah, working in it with your hands, working with your hands mm-hmm. and outdoors and in the sun and sore muscles. Right. And I'll be sitting in my office some days. I'm like, man, I just wish I knew yeah. how to farm. <laughs> you know? Right. That sounds yeah. like such a good world. That's a cool. That's a cool legacy. And is it something you'd hope to pass down to your dudes? Yep, I think they they enjoyed the experience of growing up there. Yeah, you know, I think it gets harder every generation to come back and stay there. Well, because you do, if you're not going to make a living on the ranch, you have to have a living made Elsewhere. in Car in Carmel Valley or yeah. in Monterey County, which is yeah hard for that's car hard. kids to do. Yeah. But they have a place to live. So that's, you know, you have a beautiful well, that's place a to point. live. But you also have, you know, there's the the ties to family that some kind can get a little strained and dysfunctional sure. too. And right. you're you're tied into that, which yep. complicates things and yep. makes it interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll just, you just, I mean, the boys are just kind of on the journey they're on and we'll see yeah. if they land there or oh, if they I know. land somewhere else you know? or if it's yeah. for a time or whatever. Right. I bet when they get to the point where they're having kids, it'll be more meaningful for them. Yeah. The heritage is, is cool. You yeah. Know? And just that, like, yeah, it's good to say, I'm going to get out of here and make my way in the world. But then you go make your way for a while and go, ah, home sounds like a pretty good Yeah. Thing. Especially when you're deep, your roots are so deep. Yep. You know, they just have to go to the top of the ranch and there's a, we call it the lone tree. It's the only tree up there, but there's the plaques to my parents and, huh. you know, that's where their ashes are and. Just kind of overlooking the whole valley and the ranch, and describe the view from up there. It's spectacular. It's spectacular. So it's it's a uh, it sits at about eighteen hundred feet. So it overlooks the entire bay, Carmel Valley on one side, Mount Toro, Salinas Valley on the other. On a clear day, you can see all the way to Santa Cruz, see across the Salinas Valley. It's it's pretty spectacular. That's that is spectacular. Yeah, but that's our home. That's where you know we're just we. We don't take it for granted, you know, we feel we're blessed, but, mm. you know, to be so close to where we work, to your 10 minutes to Monterey, yet as soon as you go through the ranch, you're in a whole nother world. It, and it feels like another yeah. world. And you can, I think I said it when I was out there, you feel like you can breathe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's open, there's, yeah. you know, you've taken great care of the place where it doesn't look overgrown, but it looks natural. Right. It's not like when you're in a city and trees are lined up in a line. (laughs) (laughs) Palm trees in the middle of the ranch. (laughs) Exactly. It it feels like, what, what, uh, oh, you have some tree, Buckeyes? Oh, the Buckeyes, yeah. Yeah. With the Buckeye balls. Yeah, which are everywhere (laughs) and really interesting looking. Lots of oak trees. Lots of oaks. Yeah, a few redwoods, just for good measure. Where are they? We have some planted further back on the ranch that were planted generations ago, probably by my great aunt or even Uh before then, and Uh some at the front gate, yeah. So you said eighth generation. Your boys are the eighth generation. My boys are the eighth generation. And that goes, when did the covered wagon show up? 
they left in the 1800s, like the 1860s, 1850s. I'll have to look at the date. Okay, now, again, <laughs> I'm going to say things that prove I don't know history, and you can send all of your comments to Patrick. How much uh, is a generation? <laughs> no, no, I was... Uh, what was happening? When was California a state? Oh, goodness. 1860s feels about... You know what? We have the internet right here. Yeah, let's figure that out. And when was the gold rush, right? Wasn't that in the 1840s? 49. Yeah, and that was before... Was that before California was a state? We're going to find out right now. There's somebody screaming at their radio right now. (laughs) (laughs) Send in your comments. (laughs) That's right. Uh, 1850. Okay. So would you say 18... I believe it's like the 1860s. So that's almost like they're like, whoa... California's a thing. Let's do it. Let's go settle it. Yeah, let's go. Like, that's that's very frontier pioneer mindset. Huh. (laughs) Do you have artifacts? Do you have like pictures or plates? We have a lot of artifacts from like when my dad was growing up as a kid. So, what years are those? You said the Depression. He was born in 29. Whew. Everything's great, kid. (laughs) Yeah. And he was the oldest, so he was the first of eight, right, during that 29 to To 38, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They were, you know, one right after another eight kids, so. My grandparents grew up in Missouri, and I'm trying to remember the story. So they're, like, grandpa fought in World War II, but as they were growing up, like, grandma's family... Uh, we'll have my parents in here in a couple of weeks and they'll tell the story better. But <laughs> but they were farmed out to other places. Mm-hmm. And um, like all of grandma's siblings, I don't know if resented her, but she was a companion, like a traveling companion of a wealthy woman. Mm-hmm. Like somebody that it, like started certs or right. so like, yeah. Tic Tacs or something, I don't know, some breathman or something. And so this was a wealthy person and grandma was on trains and in fancy hats and in pretty dresses while all of her siblings were like farmed out to do hard labor on ranches and farms. Yeah. And um, I think even like it wasn't something I knew until, you know, after they were kind of all gone. But I think that they kind of took that with them through adulthood. Oh, yeah. My my aunts and uncles, same thing. Huh. Because I think my dad was looked at as having a lot more opportunity because he was the oldest and he would lived with my aunt, my great aunt, who, you know, was able to put food on the table and, you know, they had huh. milk. They huh. talk about having milk. You would think with all those cows there'd be milk. <laughs> Beef cows. You Not- just get rid of the girls. <laughs> I know you don't want to hold dairy farm, but keep a couple of them for me. Right. But I mean, I think that just showed the haves and the have nots within yeah. the same family. On the same property. On the same property that wow. it wasn't equal. And I think the younger kids struggled with that. Mm-hmm. And the older ones too. So you have two that were given every opportunity. Huh. Then you have six that weren't. And some that ended up in Sweden. Well, this one in Sweden basically was adopted. I don't know if that was a formal adoption back yeah. then or a handshake agreement. Uh-huh. And but they grew up uh, they were had ties to like the people who own orchard supply. So, huh. a very wealthy okay. you know, they lived a very wealthy existence. And then six, yeah. four of them lived a not so privileged life, just mm-hmm. really, you know, hard scrabbled, you know, 
didn't have the same kind of food or mm-hmm. opportunities. And then two were, you know, basically one was kind of given away that I never met. And the other one lived in Sweden and lived a very uh, wealthy life there with the family of people tied to orchard supply. So they would come back and forth from the United States to Sweden. So was there, I don't know if resentment's the word, but was it like, oh, I see. They get to be on steamboats and airplanes while we're all starving. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So between the eight kids, I think it, it took, and they never talked about their dad, my grandfather. Did you not know your grandpa? No, I never knew any. I knew my dad's mom for, and she passed away when we were like maybe 10 or 11. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, we never really grew up with grandparents. Mm. And my kids don't have any grandparents, never grew up Hmm. with grandparents. So, you know, that's what's missing is that legacy of people to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, as you know, my parents and my family we all live in the same house and it's really like the kids just disappear upstairs to go talk to grandma and grandpa and i just think what a what a neat experience you know because grandparents they want you to turn out well like your Mm -hmm. parents do but they don't have the same kind of like (laughs) expectations or you know what i mean like they they're just it's just, they're just easier to talk to. And yeah, they're that ear. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They're just pulling for you. Just right. Just there for you. But your dad, even though your boys might not have known him, his, like, his reputation and what he kind of built in this area mm-hmm. still loom large. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Based on our golf tournament experience. Yeah, so. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, all, that's what I know is that your dad was at least successful enough to start an awesome golf tournament that I love playing in once a year. He, uh, he worked, but he was the longest acting manager of a state run uh, of a state farm bureau. So he was for 45 years, he was the Monterey County farm bureau director. So mm-hmm. took it through all the labor issues in the seventies, in the 70s, even before then, um, through the general plan, all the planning to keep ag, ag, mm. all the water issues. So for 45 years, he worked up until the day he died. And, you know, uh. he died of cancer, but they didn't, no one knew that he even had cancer. He mm. just worked and then, was yeah. gone. you know, so, and Dementia. he died fairly early. He just turned 70. Hardworking guy? Hardworking guy, you know, sun up, sun up, you know, and then mm-hmm. involved in state and national ag decisions and Mm. so this golf tournament we play in is the memorial golf tournament and Mm -hmm. be 20 years and there's still there's still people who served with him and on his boards of directors he raised generations of leaders and now those are second generation that still people talk about him with a reverence there too right yeah well leon panetta spoke at his uh his funeral service wow (laughs) That's not an easy get. <laughs> that guy only goes places where he Well, and they respects. were very close back in those days, you Is know, right? probably mm-hmm. different politically, yet mm-hmm. you don't see that today, but the respect of Yeah. Just, yeah. You can have different opinions, but respect for each other. And the work ethic. Oh, yeah. And the love of the land. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so pretty neat. Hmm. Was your dad like was that was his like legacy or his time serving? Was it before environmental concerns were what they are today? Was he seeing 
things be more industrialized and worried about that or I think he was seeing the handwriting on the wall back uh-huh. then and you know they were laying the groundwork for all these changes mm-hmm. it was obviously less political and less yeah right he's a practical guy right he's he's not he doesn't care who's elected no. he wants like things to go well right. for farmers yeah mm-hmm. Right. And, and ranchers, for yeah. the land, once you lose the, the, you know, once you lose the land and you pave it over, you've now lost that ability. So mm-hmm. he was forward thinking, you know, they were talking the saltwater intrusion, you know, 30 years ago, what uh-huh. to do about that. And that's still yeah. not been dealt with or it's just now starting. Do you have an interest in any of that stuff? You know, I like the um, I like the educational side. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He, he and a couple of his friends from the Farm Bureau started that whole ag in the classroom where every single third grader in the state, I believe it is now, experiences a farm day and they Mm. go through a curriculum. So they started that here Mm. and that's been going for 30 some years. So So is it tied to the farm at all? No, but the person who runs the farm was one of my dad's uh, board of directors on the Farm Bureau. Okay. So... Yeah. Because that's a very, like, kid-friendly, yep. real heart for... Yeah. And, of you know, loves the Lord. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, I've heard that, that, yeah. That... That's cool. And it is. Like, somebody has to advocate for... Because mm-hmm. when you grow up in the city, like, you just... Hamburgers come from somewhere. I have no idea where. <laughs> Broccoli comes from yeah. somewhere. I have no idea where. And, and it, takes, it takes being exposed to it to fall in love with it. And that separation every generation is getting further separated from the land. Yeah. You know, they're just not even exposed to where your food comes from, how it's grown and why you would want to protect Mm. that as a resource. Even just, you know, I mean, we could, this will totally end up in a sermon illustration at some point, but like even that idea (laughs) in, in Israel that like their identity is tied to the land. Mm -hmm. We don't really have, I don't really like, I, I kind of make jokes about Garden Grove and I am proud to be from Garden Grove, Mm -hmm. or at least I recognize that I'd be a different person if I grew up anywhere else, Mm -hmm. that there's something particular about my hometown that is not true of my kids who grew up here. Right. That, that it is, it's different where you're from, but not as a, like, this is the family home and my identity is tied to this piece of land. And there's something valuable about that. And the stewardship that's not, Mm, that's that's even less known in in generations now there's most people aren't tied to any one place or you know they're very transient you know with ours being so many generations deep of course we're going to do everything we can to make the land last healthy right we're not going to abuse it but other people would look at it as you know an investment or just dollar signs you know we could have sold it generations ago and be millionaires but yeah then you lose that heritage which is more valuable. Right. Yeah. I totally see that. Like, I, I feel like most of us don't even plan off pay, plan on paying off our mortgage. You go, oh, I'll live here for a while. And then hopefully prices will go up and I'll sell it and I'll right. go to a different place or a different right. situation. You know, I think even so many of us around here are like, well, we'll see where the kids end up settling. And then probably in 25 years, we'll... You know, like yeah. when we retire, probably won't retire in the same house. You'll either downsize right. here or you'll go wherever the grandkids yeah. are or whatever. But to have that like place to return to is pretty special. Right. 
are how how unique is that out there in Corral de Tierra? Are there do you have neighbors that have the same kind of? We used to be surrounded by other ranches, and yeah. now we only have a ranch on one side, and it's not the same generations of families that used to be there, but it is a family operation. So mm. I can see where that one will start fresh and mm. continue on, but the rest has been developed. So, mm. yeah, mm. we've got houses on three sides pretty much. Just like a peop- the land got sold and people mm-hmm. built houses. Right. It used to be ranches and now, you know, well, I guess there's one side that's for sale. So it's not houses yet, but it'll be houses it as soon as they can figure out water. and That's got to be kind of tempting, too. But you have to get the whole family on board, too, right? Like it's, yeah. <laughs> which I'm sure. Back to that, this, you know. This, uh... is not, this is probably not the podcast for that, but I'm sure, yeah. you know, yeah, I, you know, I just have one sister, but to get on exactly the same page at exactly the same time. And yeah. I love her and she's wonderful. Right. And, but that's, that's still difficult. It's complex. Yeah. Something <laughs> that, something that works for every family all at the same time is, is diff- complex is a great word. Yeah. All right. So, um, so you knew your dad. Yep. Mom. Yep. Yeah. And so growing up that out there on the ranch, pretty happy childhood, pretty fun. Yeah. We were just busy all the time. So, you know, Nowadays, kids are in sports or in their after-school activities. Our after-school activities was the ranch, you know, mm-hmm. and that's just how we lived. We were involved in everything having to do with the ranch and 4-H and FFA. So we didn't do sports, but we were involved just in all the uh, – my dad was at the state and national level with the, these uh, organizations, so it was only natural that we do that as well. And we just loved it. It doesn't – it sounds – like, I'm sure I'm too soft to do that, but it sure sounds idyllic. Like, even you've you've raised two wonderful boys. I'm raising two wonderful boys. And there have been so many times where Tiffany and I have looked at each other and like, he just needs farm chores. Yeah. Like, there's just Come not... Come out! There's, <laughs> just send him out. There's farm plenty, him out to there's me. plenty. Yeah, send him on out. You know what I mean? Like, you look like, oh, this, this little raging ball of testosterone and he's got strength and energy and there's just not enough to keep them busy here at home like we want them to turn off the video games and he you can only clean your room so many times and you can only pull weeds so many times like he needs things not only that are uh hard like make muscles kind of hard but also things where he would feel productive where it's not just like i weeded the flower garden but where it's like i mended the fence and and responsibility i mean you you don't feed them they die you know so if you're not if you're not doing your part that means someone else who's already doing their fair share has to do more. And I, you know, we, I guess we never questioned that. We just mm-hmm. all had our chores. So that was before school, you know, whether we would, you know, we raised sheep at that time too, for all the fairs, So we could have, you know, 60 little baby lambs that, you know, we're getting up in the middle of the night to make sure they're okay. We took turns huh. doing that, huh. you know, bottle feeding, running to school, coming back and taking care of everything again in the afternoon and evenings. Huh. And, you know, and that, that was just our life. So everybody else was like, I'm going to Girl Scouts or I'm going to go play sports. Yeah. And they're like, Where you we... say, if I sign up for field hockey, lambs die. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I cannot do that. No, yeah. we just didn't, you know, because we learned the value of money also be yeah you know we each had our own little herd so we were making some (laughs) pretty good money as 10 11 as ranchers as ranchers so it was common for us to you know 
buy our own school clothes and do mm. all that because you know we had money we had our own checking accounts at 10 and 11 <laughs> you know which you don't even now you, you can't even get kids to want to drive by 18 or 19 well and speaking <laughs> and speaking of like more and more distant from the land like my kids are super distant from banks like they have no it's all on their phone or yeah. on the computer like they don't my, know how to write a check <laughs> my two oldest i don't know if I don't know if my oldest has ever written a check. She's 19. I can't imagine. Maybe she has. I don't, I don't know if she has checks, <laughs> but you know, like we, right. it's, they belong to a credit union. That is the closest branch is 350 miles away. And that's no, you know, you want to deposit a check. You take a picture of it. You want to, you know, what I mean? you do everything online. It's just so it's nice and convenient, but it's hard to explain to them. No, a deposit. Like you're taking something <laughs> like and real, putting it right. somewhere else. You know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, can you explain the difference between a debit card and a credit card again, please, Dad? I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Okay, so theoretically, there are a whole bunch of zeros and ones somewhere yeah. that is your money. <laughs> so it's like actual dollars. No, no, no. <laughs> no actual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that does sound good to grow yeah. up like with just an understanding of that it's because like you're record it keeping, you know, you know how much that sack of feed cost. You know how much you have to sell that animal for and the difference. You're like, mm -hmm. did you make money? Did you lose? Me? It's mm -hmm. real money. Yeah. It's real, you know, time and effort. And I'm sure there's a video game of that now. Oh, I'm There's sure an app on your phone where you can <laughs> farm. <laughs> I actually, there is. There My is, kids have done it. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot cleaner, I guess. <laughs> Less, Less manure in the, right? in the living room. So where'd you go to school? Out in Spreckles? No, we went to school right at their Washington oh. Union School, which was when I went to school was kindergarten through sixth grade right there. Okay. And then if you were lived on the other side, like Sam Dancha's side, you went to school over there, K through whatever, six. And, and then, then Salinas High? Then seventh, eighth, and Sam Dancha, and then Salinas High. Salinas High. Salinas High. Right on. That's where my dad went to school, and Is that my right? mom, and my grandmother. Yeah. All right. Yep. Cool. So yep. what was life like in high school? You're still spending a lot of time on the ranch. Yeah, that's what got me through high school. I was not big into high school. I just okay. wanted to get through high school. So I was taking junior college courses during high school just to get out. Yeah. Well, it, it might have had something to do with you had an adult maturity to you that yeah. other kids are having to grow at 16, 17, where you're like, I already know how to run a business. Yeah, they kind of annoyed me. So yeah, I was, yeah. Just, I was just ready to get out everyone, of high school. Everyone who graduated with Carol Barker know that... <laughs> right so i was taking at uh, junior college classes at the same time or okay. the last senior year or junior year and... did you have a car in high school oh yeah we what was your first car well we drove the ranch truck as little kids down to the gate to get on the school bus so because the school bus didn't come so here's four yeah. little kids none of them who have licenses you know literally driving well on our ranch it's a mile but to like the... you're behind the wheel well, yeah, we, at, we at, would drive ourselves to the gate at... At what age? Oh, yeah, like third, fourth, fifth grade. <laughs> That's awesome. And then the, <laughs> then the truck would be there, and then we'd drive uh -huh. back up, right? So... Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> man, that's different than right. Life happens today. Yeah. Yeah. So we would we would drive ourselves. To... Or at least life happens at my house. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Um, 
Okay, but did you have a car? Like when you talk about your first car, was that my high school? My sister and I bought my dad's old work car as our first car. What so was a it? Ford you... Maverick. Okay, well, we have yeah. to look that up. That's a tradition oh. here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you know what year? Oh, gosh. Maybe 72, it's 74. Somewhere in there. 72 Ford. All right. Yeah, maybe like a you know, brownish color. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we bought it with our own money. We shared it. It's a muscle car. Well, How do I not know? How do I not know about Probably Mavericks? not so muscly. Well, those look way nicer. Look, my first car was a, <laughs> my first car was a 1979 Volkswagen Rabbit. So compared oh, to that, yeah. this okay. is muscly as it gets. Uh, yeah, then, I love the Rabbit. Yeah, so that was the first car. Was it a stick shift? No, but we knew how to drive a stick shift. Of course we were, you did. Tractors and Well, <laughs> when we were little feeding the cows, my dad, we had an old Jeep. We had an old Willie's Jeep. Yeah. <laughs> so he would put it in four low, like, creep crawl. And we couldn't uh-huh. even reach, you know, and he'd hop out and feed, and we would just steer. Okay. Feed the cows. Yeah. So, you know, and then he'd run around, just like the movies, and hop back in, uh-huh. you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, that was... Not exactly five, five years old. Not five, exactly six. the same experience, but when I had a uh, paper route in junior high, we had a Ford Ranchero, hmm. and I would, my dad would get up at the crack of dawn with yeah. me, and we'd fold papers, and then he would drive down the middle of the street slowly, and I would be standing up in the bed of oh. that Ford Ranchero, just chucking papers left and right. Probably wouldn't go today. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, probably not. Had to wrap them in plastic so they didn't get wet on the lawns Mm -hmm. (laughs) good times yeah for sure then off to college yes did uh hartnell for a couple years worked there and took some ag classes and then went to cal poly got a degree in ag education Hmm. i was supposed to be an ag teacher at the high school level okay yeah you decided somewhere along the way you're making a face that makes it seem like student teaching that solved you yeah, but by then you're already four years in. You really, they, you should. It's a little late to be doing your student teaching I'll as a tell senior. You, I think that about every career. You should do your student teaching first. your first year or go be a intern at a hospital if you want to be a doctor or something because you get uh, yeah. a lot of education before you find out what the job's actually like. Right. So I love the curriculum because I grew up in agriculture. So you take a little bit of everything, mm-hmm. communication, business, animal science, plant science, welding, all these great things. Nice. So, but then you're supposed to be a teacher. I like people. I can teach. Yeah. So I was sent for my student teaching uh, to a little tiny town up called Linden. It's up by Lodi. Okay. Well, mind you, I'm at Cal Oh Lord. I'm at Cal Poly, so I'm seven hours away from any help and everybody else is in Atascadero or San Luis. (laughs) I'm seven hours away in a little tiny town with no one I know and they'd never seen a student teacher, let alone a female student teacher in their ag program. Is Ever. that a is that a pretty male dominated culture? The it is, but the new teachers are all female. Well, I it think. seems like the teaching part of it, yeah, yeah. would be male right. and female kind so of balance. I'm 21 and they're 17. Ah, yeah, and they're mm. punks. And you've actually done this for like you've actually like this is not just I went to school. This is like I can teach you how to run a farm, guys. Except in order to test you, they give you the your weakest. You sure. Know, Okay. Yeah. So I was given uh, welding 
ag mechanics and something else or like okay. i can't have the animals and plants I for you talking about for student teaching oh yeah so you go to school yes i want to teach people about agriculture and then you end up a student teacher in a welding class yeah first day and Ugh. my teacher's like you just go and you just got to stay ahead of them so i'd go in in the morning yeah. learn how to do it and teach them yeah. but there's only a three-year age difference between yeah. the oldest so not a great experience. I yeah. finished it, got my credential, and I never taught. Hmm. <laughs> I hmm. said, this is not for me. <laughs> hmm. But I used that education and all sorts of other things. For sure. Yeah, education's <laughs> never wasted. And um, it. I mean, I think it's probably, I was going to say it's more true than not, but maybe that's not true. But it's certainly not an uncommon story to say, oh, yeah. this is my training in education, and then... Life and God and family yeah. and whatever steered me a different way. Yeah, I don't think uh, my dad would put up with another four years. I think I want to do something else now. So Yeah, dad, I, I'm going to go back to college and yeah. Yes, yeah, so I went to Colorado instead. Okay, what'd you do there? Well, every summer I was working on a guest ranch during uh, college. Okay. So what other better place to go than Steamboat Springs, Colorado and... So I was a wrangler on a guest ranch. I led horseback rides in the National Forest every day for all summer. What a great job. It was awesome. You got paid tips and room and board. You're living, you know, up in the National Forest. And it was a high-end guest ranch. So you'd get six or seven families a week that would stay the whole week. You'd get to know them. You would do everything with them. You're, you're helping doing the cabins, the feeding, and the horses. So by the time school ran around again, I was ready to never see another horse for till the next and summer. And then what'd you do? So then I went back after I didn't teach. I went back there and I worked for them for a year. And oh, then I, I worked for the Steamboat Springs Chamber Resort Association. And that's hmm. when I started my little business side of just doing that's how you learned bookkeeping and well i'm more accounting. of i found out my skills are more on the back end just you know coordinating and you know assisting people so yes you are so warm <laughs> and friendly and like your voice is always up that doesn't always you can't tell right away but you're highly organized like that you like things orderly and you know how to get it there and you're willing to work hard towards that. Yeah. Like you, um, every place where I've ever known you've served, you've ended up kind of in event planning. Yes. Like that is a skill. I'm not sure it's a skill you want or that you're glad you have, but it's definitely, I had a missionary friend who goes, the worst thing about that. He was, he had been on the mission field a long time. He's like, the worst thing about being on the mission field a long time is you eventually you get the gift of administration. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you want it or not. <laughs> Whether you want it or not. Yeah. No. But you, you enjoy that. I or enjoy you... it and I'm good at it. And that's one thing I do mm. know about myself is I know I'm highly organized and can keep lots of projects going at the same time. You know, so that's basically what I've been doing the last 20 years. Yeah. So back to back to being a kid is church part of it is Jesus a part of it? No, and I knew you'd come around to this because yeah. that's what this is all about. I was raised with zero understanding of God, church, or anything. 
I wasn't against it. I just didn't know. I, I heard my dad was raised as Catholic, you know, probably just go once or twice a year. And my mom was raised as a Protestant. And I think they couldn't figure out how to raise their kids. So they just did nothing in that. Mm -hmm. So we never went to church. We never, mm. you know, but we also weren't against it. We just... Mm -hmm. You didn't have bad feelings about it. No, you just, just no feelings. feelings. Just that's not what we did. So mm. I didn't even hear about the first time I was ever talked to about God was at Cal Poly. Really? Is that crazy? So I'm one of those that when, you know, you see like a late 20 or 30 or somebody, they're open. Don't assume. Do not assume. The very first person I met at Cal Poly was someone I had chemistry class with as a freshman and we just became friends hmm. well she's on staff with navigators mm. but she wasn't she wasn't seeking me out to like win me over just she was just my friend and yeah. we would just sit and talk and she'd share never pressure hmm. for hmm. a whole year year and hmm. a half and then as a sophomore you know she led me to the lord was it something, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but was it, was it something is when she's giving you the details about the Christian life and then you're looking at the way she lives her life mm -hmm. and you're going, this matches up. It does. And also there was always that, you know, you talk about that God-centered hole in your heart, you know, that yeah. only fits God. But you, if you're not raised with God, you don't know what that is. That's you right. know yeah. you're missing something, but you don't know what. Yep. Yeah. And so as she was talking and, and just being my friend and, you know, day in and day out being my friend hmm. you know it was making more sense as to what that yearning was oh she's talking about faith and you're like huh, huh right that seems to fit something right? i've been thinking yeah my and whole not life. knowing yeah you know? so you know the encouragement is is just be just be a friend to somebody mm. you have no idea what their background is and mm. you know don't just you know speak your faith once and move on if they don't decide. I mean, she just was my friend for over a year. That's crazy. So a year. now that's been, and I bet she's praying for you. Oh yeah. And, but yeah. I don't know that. Right. Right. She, she knows that. And, yeah. and she's showing me just little, you know, and then when I finally did accept Christ, you know, she's the one that came alongside and discipled me. Yeah. Which was the most natural thing in the world because she was oh, your yeah. buddy anyway. And right. And so now, 30-some years later, you know, she and her family are on staff with Pioneers, and they've been missionaries to Russia and Moldova, huh. and we're still, like, best friends. How cool. Isn't that neat? What a just great a, story. A neat story to, you know, just be someone's friend. Did you get plugged in? Was there a, was Campus Crusade at Cal Poly then? They were at Cal Poly. There was a great church down there, Grace Church, where okay. a lot of the— the mm. young folks and she was from she was from san luis Obispo. she okay. grew up there so mm. it was natural for her to to be plugged in and we've just stayed connected all these years even though we don't see each other that often but it's pretty neat that how encouraging for you know i mean we you and i both know a lot of people in that age group that are at mpc mm -hmm. or at csumb and saying man there's there's some of your classmates that could really that don't know the questions to ask yeah. and are trying to fill that hole with all kinds of other things, right? mm -hmm. but just could really use your friendship and, and getting connected to the local church. Right. Just invite them to church. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Don't cool. give up on them. Don't even prejudge them or anything. Well, it sounds like what your friend 
did was saw you not as a potential convert, but mm. as a person. Mm-hmm. Like not like, hey, maybe this is a notch in my right. belt. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. but I need ten this month. You know? <laughs> That's right. The Jesus quota. Yeah. You know, Jesus is going to be mad if I don't hit my quota. But instead, just really was kind. Sai is a human to be friends with. Yeah. That's powerful. That is. Mm. So, yeah. And you say she discipled you. So, I mean, when I hear the word navigators, I go, yeah, that's how to disciple people. Like Bible, 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 Bible memorization, prayer, yeah. accountability. All those things were part of your life exactly. very early on. Right. So when I, you know, I see a lot of that missing nowadays. Yeah. We're just not even following that path anymore. And we're expecting people to know how to how to study the Bible or how to pray or how to just hold each other accountable. You know, it, the easy part is accepting Christ. Uh-huh. Then the walk, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know. And, you know, I think in. We're we're just so advanced, you know, and so <laughs> evolved and yes. enlightened that just that basic, maybe even like I fall victim to this because I grew up in church and you go, okay, is it, it's just so simple to say you need to learn to read your Bible and spend time in prayer and have yeah. Christian friends and go to church. But seriously, that's 2000 years of Christianity. That's still oh, yeah. the way to grow is those it's a foundation, that, that, that navigator wheel. Mm-hmm is super powerful i know the ricketts have you know discipled billions of people and and have been navigators forever and that's just that's neat it's a real encouragement for the church that that's what we have to do when jesus said go disciple people it's not the systematic of like hey it has to look like this but people need to be trained in these basic basic things it's a commitment too because i think sometimes that's right that's right (laughs) sometimes people it's it's easier just to to stay surfacey and you know mm. okay share your faith and you're like okay did that move on it becomes mm. more of a action item but to to open yourself up and be vulnerable with someone mm-hmm. with your struggles their struggles and the walk is a walk no mm. matter how long mm. you know so we're thirty some years in years into our walk you know who have we committed to or come alongside that we're mm. willing to stay beyond just Mm. this short little season and Mm. it takes a lot of time and effort Mm. to have you know deep friendships or relationships like that and everybody's so busy that we need to like pull back from some things and it's another piece of that ranch life just that like it's a long it's a long-term commitment it's a long-term commitment yeah you don't have a calf today and sell them tomorrow no it's uh it, it's, it's something a hard that, yeah it's a, it's that there's a process the, the planting and the harvest you know yeah. and the preparing and the harvesting and that we're we all play a role in that yeah for however long mm-hmm. yeah that is awesome what an encouragement can we talk about your boys sure because for partly because your boys are how you and i met even exactly i was i was sam's baseball coach First year Trinity. Yep. And then uh, I was Zach's uh, Bible teacher yep. at Trinity. And, you know, it's hard to describe how cool your boys are. They are like friend, dear friends of mine. I just love <laughs> them both so much. And they both have such great qualities. The way they treat you. And maybe not at home. I mean, there <laughs> might be there might be some, you know, they might actually be normal humans at home. But like playing golf 
Like they're encouraging you. <laughs> they're polite to you. You know what I yeah. mean? Like they really love you a lot. And that is so much fun to see. And it really speaks of their like just character a lot. Yeah. And, um, and they're like big, tall, strong. You, you hear they grew up on a ranch and you go, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's right. <laughs> that sounds right. But both walking with the Lord and yeah. what a joy. Yeah. Yeah, that is a blessing to just see that and also get past that point of like, oh, it's so stressful going, are they going to make the right choices? Are they going to follow Christ? And you're like, you know, I've done the best I can for 18, 20 years, and now yeah. it's up to them. They have the foundations. Mm -hmm. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to grow. They're going to fall. And, mm -hmm. you know, that you're just there. You're always there as mom. And, mm -hmm. you know, God's got them. For and you sure. You can kind of just release them, you know, to to their own path and, mm -hmm. and, and be more of a support role. That's a really mm -hmm. neat transition. Yeah. I've seen that a little bit with my oldest, who's yeah. the same age Zach. as Zach. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you're right to to see them. You know, even like talking with both of your boys, just Jesus and church and and just like they they talk like Christians. I, I, mm -hmm. That sounds overly simplified, but, <laughs> you know, how you doing? It's not just golf and work and whatever right. but it's how you doing oh i had a really good time at small group the other day right. or whatever you know it's just a part of their natural not in a yeah. super like holier than thou kind no. of way but in a very organic natural part of who they are kind of way yeah and to see them not well in time struggling with their own faith through sure, the ups and downs like you know when see i was not raised in a church and in a way i think it was easier okay because when i when I made a decision, it was my decision. Oh, I didn't have that. Well, you know, we're going to church every Sunday. Yeah. But they were raised differently. You know, they mm -hmm. were in the church. They were in Awanas. They were in youth group. They were on mm -hmm. mission trip. They were in a Christian high school. They were, mm -hmm. you know, and I think, you know, through the ups and downs of the last few years, they've had to struggle with what's real. You know, is it their faith? Was it of their parents? And, and now I think in the last couple of years, they're really, they're they're figuring out what their faith is yeah and that's neat to see because you don't know you don't know you know if they're gonna follow or if they're gonna if that was just because we drug them to church you know what's real mm -hmm. there i'd still not change that for the world i think the foundation is yeah. still better to have than not have because the chances that i found the one friend or the one friend found me right you know yeah, I, I'd still lay my, you know, <laughs> I would bet on a foundation of growing sure. up in the church than not. Well, and I think you, you were a, such a neat example of, it wasn't just go to church and then at home, they see that you're not living your faith. Right. You know, they saw that consistency yeah. that you, you lived what you believed. And so, you know, I always say, I just at least want the kids to know if, if they decide to rebel and leave walk away from Christ. I at least want them walking away from the real Christ. Right. Like I want them to know what faith is. I want them to be able to see it and I want them to be able to know it mm -hmm. in a way where they, they're not making a decision between some overly religious, like, you know, like fun house mirror version of Jesus. Yeah. Um, which I hear a lot of people walk away from mm -hmm. faith and, and, when they tell you what they walked away from, you go, oh, that wasn't, 
that wasn't actually Jesus. That was some legalistic whatever, or it was some emotional experience, but it wasn't a loving friendship with the king of the universe, you know? And so, um, so well done. Yeah. What, what's the secret? Tell us all. How do you, how? <laughs> I've just learned to back away now. <laughs> They're on their own. <laughs> back away, but don't lose eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Shoot. excellent. Well, what do you, what do you enjoy now? It gives you joy. I've been on a journey the last few years, and right. this has been the best last few years, I think, of mm. my faith walk and just learning those lessons I knew I needed to learn along the way. Mm. Of, you know, if you know me, uh, being Martha is like my mm. nemesis. I've mm. always been Martha, and I always wanted to be Mary, but mm. who was going to do the work? I mean, That's who's right. going to organize Mary if you right. didn't have Martha? So. Right, and everybody who leans towards that reads uh. that reads that and goes, yeah, I get the point, <laughs> but are we eating or not? Like, <laughs> yeah. Is somebody going to do anything around right. here? Yeah. And so I, that's been my biggest struggle is uh, always being that doer. Okay. But then that becomes, you know, that becomes your own idol of, of mm. always having to be that person. And mm. then you get your rewards that way. And, mm. and you're like, so this last few years is just, backing away from a lot and learning mm. to be still and I don't have mm. to be involved in everything and just mm-hmm. just being in the presence of the Lord and mm. and and uh less worried about what everybody else is doing in their life and like mm. oh, no it's time for Carol to yeah to get yeah. real with Carol and 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 change and grow and you know see what God wants for me to do yeah. and and it's it's been good this is the last few years is the first time ever i've ever said no to commitments <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's hard for me it is hard because yeah. i can say yes and then i'll say yeah to, to something else and before i know it i'm overcommitted, and then yeah i'm back to being yeah. martha again. i feel like i say no to stuff every day and still i'm overcommitted. like there's <laughs> yeah. never gonna be right uh, and you have skills that people need like you know what i mean like organizing that that organizational event planning communication like those are skills that people go oh you know who would do a great job with this (laughs) and so to to kind of so how do you decide what you say yes and no to is it like do you is there some kind of internal criteria that's like hey these are the biggest things going if they don't if they're not about this i'm not doing it or i think i'm learning to not respond right away ah because under the pressure, I would say yes to everything and yeah. everybody yeah. and and kind of to hit the pause button and say, well, let me check and see if I can do that because I don't mm-hmm. want to do it if I can't do a good job mm-hmm. and I don't need to be in everything. And if mm-hmm. something falls to the side, and it, then maybe it wasn't meant to to have a life, you know, yeah. it's not going to be on my shoulders to do everything. So just slowing down and, and kind of checking myself and you know mm-hmm. that you have to do that for yourself ah nobody's gonna no nobody's gonna say could i put this seed in your ear and would you think about this and pray about it and we'll talk about it again right. people are gonna go there's a need can you fill it right. i need to know yesterday i've been meaning to talk to you about this for three weeks yeah. and the things tomorrow and that <laughs> becomes a big issue in the church too which uh, you know is yeah. that people you know gravitate toward those who will who will do the work yep. and then they get overcommitted and then that starts to, 
you know, lessen their experience with the fellowship and they become just the worker and they're not yeah. fed or, yeah. or rested or, or available to do what God really wants them to do. Yeah. And so those have been hard lessons. And it's hard, you know, it, it, from the outside, there's theories there that I know and believe as it actually runs into practice. I really struggle with like some people, I, I hear feedback sometimes. It's like, well, nobody asked me. And I go, okay, we have to be, we have to be asking people. Like people want right. to be called into ministry. Like this yes. has to be all of us working together and people want to be called into ministry. And so for leaders to say, mm -hmm. Hey, I can see you doing a good job with this. Are you willing? We can train you, whatever is really important. On the other hand, um, there are a lot of us that have a hard time saying no to stuff. And I don't know what people are called to or right. what people would enjoy, you know? And so that kind of like helping people figure out how much is like, I think we all have to have a good pace in life. So yes. Ben Sobels and I were talking about this a decade ago and he had just heard somebody speak and was relating this to like being on a bicycle where if you're going too fast, you'll burn out. And yeah. if you're going too slow, you'll burn out. <laughs> You need stuff to do like you can't right. like sitting at your house and yeah. saying no to everything is not a healthy thing. You need to be involved with people and working and serving and all that. But too much of it is, yeah. you know, I mean, that's the tale as old as time at a small church like ours as oh, well. Yeah. I said yes to teaching Sunday school <laughs> once 15 years ago. <laughs> here I have I to die to get out. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. I'm leaving the church because that's the only way I can see to not teach third grade boys. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny because it's true. Um, but yeah, you want to avoid that. Mm -hmm. But to the Martha stuff, also, somebody has to teach the third grade boys. Like there are things I that know. have to be done. So these are hard balances, not they, just for individuals, but for a, as a church to yeah. think, well, do we need to just not, we, we don't have to do everything. Right. We don't. And it's we, not on any one person to figure that out either. I think and yeah. if you have that personality that is always trying to pick up the loose ends or fix things, yeah, that can become a burden for that one person. And mm. if that person can just learn to say, well, let me get together in a group and we'll discuss it as a group and yeah. not feel that, you know, the church lives or dies, whether they teach their grade boys. Right. You know, it, that's something we can recognize in other people. That's right. So. Yeah. Yeah. I sure want for ministry to be life giving. And I say that all the time, but like, and sometimes it's going to be life sucking. That's just part of, <laughs> You know, sometimes things are hard yeah. and sometimes you're just not in the mood to be on the worship team today or whatever it is. And you got to like, OK, I'm committed. Let's go do it. But but like I have seen like I have grown so much in service that I want like I it like serving has been not just oh, yeah. because I'm a professional Christian, but just, you <laughs> know, in in lots of ways at camps and. Um, and in things that I wasn't naturally good at at first mm -hmm. and like, it's been very life-giving. And then there's been other things where you go, yeah, this is taking a lot out of me and, and I'm probably not a great fit for this. It's hard to, it's hard to, it's really hard to know. But you can, that's how you can learn your gifts too. Oh, come on now. Yeah, yeah. I know. Because you can definitely think, well, I'm not suited to, to speak or to teach or, but if you haven't tried it or been mm. involved, you have no idea if you have a, a gift for that or not. That's right. That's excellent. Yeah, I think that that is huge. 
something maybe we lost with all the like explosion of and these are fine i love them i've used them i'll use them again but um but like spiritual gift tests where maybe mm-hmm. you feel like oh i have to figure out what my spiritual gifts are and then go do those yeah. where maybe it's more like there's a bunch of stuff to do and god will empower you to to do some of it if right. you'll get in there and and try it yeah i agree excellent excellent well carol you are so are there other things we need to cover no do we need a part two i'm sure there's yeah more. everybody I needs don't... a part everybody <laughs> needs a part two yeah um yeah but what a joy to talk to you yeah. you you are just such a picture of a mature christian woman that that is just not only not only do we appreciate the Martha-ness of you around here, which there's an awful lot of you being Martha around here that is a blessing to all of us, but you've got quite a bit of Mary in you too. And we appreciate that. And um, yeah, and have a great day and we'll oh, see you next time. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Well, Lighthouse, have Barry White. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you guys have a great day and we'll see you on the flip side.